We are Steve and Suzanne Hogren, and we have the privilege of leading the Hope Keepers Chronic Pain and Illness Support Group here at Lake. Uh, if you or a loved one has a chronic uh, physical condition, we invite you to, uh, to join us at our table after the service in the lobby to learn more about our monthly fellowship. So now let us stand for the reading of God's Word. Our scripture reading today begins with us reading about how the Apostle Paul and his partner Silas reacted when they were put into a very stressful situation. It is found in Acts chapter 16, verses 22 through 25. The crowd in Philippi joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders to put them in the inner cell and fasten their feet in stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Several years later, Paul uh, was in prison again, and from his cell, he wrote to the Philippian church, about how to have, uh, have the kind of peace that enables us to sing in the midst of anxiety. It's found in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 9, and 11b through 13. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, Put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. I have learned to be content in whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you, Steve and Suzanne. The, the ministry you have oh, is such importance. I, I hope that we'll have many people uh, find some of God's hope. Uh, brothers and sisters, we are in this series called Synced. And this entire fall, if you're visiting, I have really been trying to convince us here at Lake Avenue Church that a life that is synced by the Spirit of God is awesome. It, it is beautiful. And that we all need it. Because our lives are so complex. And don't you think the demands that we face every day just seem to rip us apart? Anybody relate to this? I mean, sometimes, you're like, well, my parents want me to do this, and my teacher wants me to do that, and my boss wants me to do this, and everything I watch on TV tells me I have to have that. 
Um, and then, well, I'm just going to run my own life. And then we find our own lives just pulling us apart. We need something that draws all of these different things together. And that's what the Apostle Paul talks about in Galatians chapter 5 when he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. He says that Jesus has come to offer us a better way and that he's given his spirits to us to offer us not a life that's just ripped apart and fragmented, that that actually holds together. And in fact, if you read through Galatians 5, he says that if we have our lives synced by anything else in this world, by by what everybody else thinks or or the values of the media or by our own uh, imperfect desires, then it's going to mess our lives up. And he uses words like, you'll be conflicted. There'll be discord. There'll be dissensions and factions and rage. And then he moves on in verse 22 and he says, God has given his spirits to you to bring about something so much better. And he calls it the fruit of the spirit. With, With these nine different parts of that fruit. So he says, yes, this life that you want to have is like a fruit. What what do you think of that? Well, it is. Do you remember a few weeks ago I showed you the anatomy of an apple to kind of show you what this is like? So I thought I'd keep this fruit thing going. Uh, Let me show you the anatomy of a peach, at least a drawing of it here. Uh, Some of you already see that corny phrase up there. Uh, You see one peach has a number of different parts. Uh, In the seed, the endosperm and the embryo and the seed coats. In the polycarp, there's the other parts, the endocarp and mesocarp and exocarp. So it's many different parts to a fruit, but I'll tell you when they come together. Do you like what it says? Life is just peachy. Well, that's corny, I know. Fruity, it's more fruity than, than corny. You don't like any of that humor, do you? So we'll, we'll, we'll keep moving on. Now, many of you have written to me or spoken to me about how this notion of having all these things that pull us apart pulled together by the, by the working of God's Spirit. Uh, that if there's only one person that we truly have to please, one that we have to fear, that it can bring all of these competing things together. And you have helped me to see what this looks like in your own calling in life. So I've gotten notes or, or comments from, from attorneys, from teachers. I had a mom who told me her life had been feeling all pulled apart and how helpful this has been. But I received an email uh, this past week from Dr. William Lindsay. Do do any of you know Bill? He's a faithful, wonderful part of our church. And his field of study at uh, USC is the field of communication sciences. So you might already begin to see how this matter of thinking might be important for that field. Uh, Bill has experience in deep space and satellite communication, system architecting, engineering, and design. So with that in mind, he wrote this to me. Uh, Pastor Greg, in my daily life, I strive to live by being synced with the Spirit, as opposed to those days when I had turned away from God and lived by being synced with the sinful nature. So here he brings this to his own calling. Analogously, all modern telecommunication systems must be synced, synchronized with purity in signaling. Do you get that? Imperfectly synchronized systems lead to corrupted or false transmissions. Quantum communication systems and networks must be polarization synchronized, again synced, to achieve purity in transmissions. And so here's the prayer he gave. So may we live our lives daily synced by the Spirit, which is the voice of God as written in the Bible, and I pray, Amen. 
Now, as I read that, I thought, this, this is so helpful to me. And I knew it was for many, at least last night's service and in the 9 o'clock service. We have a lot of engineers in this church. And so they came up to me and they said, Pastor Greg, there's even more to this. That, that they said that even, even when sometimes those transmissions are just a, a little bit flawed or, or somehow have become corrupted, now you just don't discard them, but sometimes they can be made pure again. I said, that'll preach. That's what God is doing to us. And that's exactly what I want to talk to you about today. That, that God didn't create us to have lives filled with anxiety. And in a, a world that's so filled with anxiety, He gives to us His Spirit and He gives us to one another so that we might have peace. Because the fruit of the Spirit is peace. So let's think for just a moment about what peace in the Bible really is. I, it's, it's so hard for me to even describe it to you because the way the the Bible talks about peace it's such a beautiful thing it's, it's very hard for me to even know how to express it but I've tried anyway as I always try and here's what I've written for you so a life of peace in the Bible is a life in which everything in our lives is what it's supposed to be have you ever had moments in your life that give you a little smattering of that this is the way it's supposed to be every wrong has been confessed and forgiven and actually made right Every kind of hostility or fear has ended. Every kind of brokenness has been healed. Every fractured relationship has been reconciled. Uh, the Hebrew word is a word that is so rich that I don't know if any English word really captures it. It's shalom. Though this morning, as Ken was leading us, I thought uh, Ubuntu, so Swahili, I think has a word where everything is brought together. And that, that's what the Apostle Paul talks about in the book of Philippians. He, he was writing uh, to a group of people just like us in, in a city called uh, Philippi. And, and even though there were many good things in their church, just as we have many in ours, they weren't yet perfect. And, and one of the things that they had was that their lives were fragmented. That, that there were some areas where there was no peace. For one thing, some of the people weren't getting along with one another. You can do that out in the world. You don't need to come into church and fight. Any amens here? <laughs> But in that church, maybe his favorite church, there were two of the women in the church who just couldn't get along. And he says, this can't be. And he urged one of his friends, yoke fellow, go and help those women. Their, their, their names were Euodia and Sentica. This is why none of you have named your daughters. The, either one of that, right? So he talks about that. But it seems to me that the main thing he talked about, and the thing I want to focus on today, is, is about that matter of inner peace uh, where so many of us have our lives just feel torn apart and I want you to look especially at, at four verses verses 6 through 9 of Philippians chapter 4 if you have a Bible look at that I want you to see how he begins <clears throat> he begins by saying uh, be anxious about nothing so that's how he starts don't have that anxiety and he ends actually he comes to it twice both at the end of verse 8 and then again at verse 9 and he says and the peace of God do you see what he's doing here he's setting in opposition to one another on one side anxiety as sort of the work of the flesh and on the other side the peace of God is what it is that God says this is what I want to produce in your own life so, so op, the, the opposite of peace, the way that Paul is using it, is anxiety. Now, when he uses that word anxiety, he, he's not talking about the, the nor, normal burdens that any of us feel. When somebody we love is going through a hard time, 
I, I don't even think he's really talking about the, the normal responsibilities that we feel when there is some duty that we know this is something I should get done. He is talking, the word that he uses is talking about our, our insides feeling like they're being ripped up or torn apart. Can you relate to that? If you can't, I'm telling you, most of America can. Uh, a recent study indicates that, listen to this, 80%, the, the study says that 80% of all Americans report or confess to experiencing significant levels of anxiety on a regular basis. That'd be four out of five that are willing to admit it. Uh, much higher than in any other place or nation or culture where they try to measure such things. I, I wondered why the anxiety rate is so much higher here among us as Americans. I started to think that maybe it's one of the best parts of our culture, the American dream. You know, where people come to America for the great hope that we're going to have a better life. We can all pursue happiness. And I think as we get into this thing, it becomes a rat race. I'm pursuing happiness. Am I really happy? I don't really feel that much happiness. Or when we get into this thing, the American dream, I should be able to succeed here, but other people seem to be getting ahead of me. And the anxiety starts building within us. 80%. It, it seems that the problems associated with anxiety are especially acute among the young. Uh, beginning uh, at, at least as early as middle school, and going through undergraduate college years and probably all the way up into young adulthood. So you know what I did this week, what I always do, every time I crossed the path of some of our Lake Avenue people who looked like a junior higher or a, or a high schooler, I stopped. I said, I'm talking about anxiety and that, that this is prevalent in our schools. Is that, do you think that's true? And almost all of them said, absolutely. They may not have said it that way, yes. And they told sometimes uh, their own anxiety, but they said their friends, almost all, felt deep anxiety. And I said, about what? And they said, well, about the first thing almost all of them mentioned, about getting good grades. Some of them talked about how I look. You know, the body image issues of our world. I'm too fat, I'm too skinny, I just don't look right. Many, and here I go to meddling to us as adults and many of us as parents, the expectations of our parents for how we'll do in school, in sports, in music. And, and I think I've already told you on several occasions that in my 12 years as a college president where I worked with so many undergraduate students, I saw this growing reality of anxiety in, in the students that I would meet with and just really loved with, with my whole heart. Uh, there was a study, and I wasn't surprised by it. I went on to the APA, the American uh, Psychological Association website, and saw an article there called Students Under Pressure by a woman named Amy Novotny. And she wrote that over one half of all college students confess that they feel overwhelming anxiety in their lives. And it was a study done of... Uh, 150 different universities and 125,000 students. So it's a pretty pervasive study that was done. And one of the things that's happened is this uh, exponential growth in people who are feeling strong tugs towards suicide. So I decided I'd ask uh, my colleague here, Brian Mayer. Brian, who is just a, a faithful part of our church, and he has worked with high school students. Right now he's working with college and young adults who are here. I said, uh, talk to me about this a little bit. And, and Brian sent me an email, and this is what he said. Among the high school to 29-year-olds, I think that's the age I asked him about, most really feel anxious about their future. 
I do think that it's uncertainty about the future that leads to a lot of anxiety. Do you agree? And he said questions of getting into college, doing enough to get into college and being spread too thin, getting a job after college, finding friends after college, finding a spouse after college. These are the kinds of things that bring anxiety to the group I work with. I just want to say this to you because this is the world God has put you and me in. And it's going to affect us. But, but Jesus died to change things. And he gives his spirits to us. And he plants his church here so that we can begin to live life more the way God created us to live it. So if we recognize that in our world, one of the devastating things that the evil one and that evil in general is doing to people is creating this kind of ripped up insides among people, then we have to know, Father, this is going to affect us, but that the Spirit of God is greater than that thing, and that we would long in this series on the fruit of the Spirit for the Spirit of God to be so at work in us as a church and in each one of us as individuals that we'll know that it's true, that the fruit of the Spirit is peace. Okay. So here, God has put me here as your senior pastor. I have been praying so much about this. I am just longing that the many anxieties that I know we bring into church are, are very, very real. And I, but I know God is greater. So I want to come to this last section, which is almost the hardest part for a preacher. It's so easy for a preacher to tell you everything that's wrong. <laughs> But to actually go and, and, and to give you the kind of practices that, that in which God can, can make a difference in your life. I've, I've been praying the most about that. Because in this series, which is called The Fruit of the Spirit, in contrast to the work of your own flesh, your own life, it's become so clear to me that what I cannot do is just give you a whole new set of rules. Here's how you can have peace. Pastor Greg said, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that. And this is what you have to do. Do this, 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 and this. Because the work of the flesh doesn't produce peace. And so me just giving you more rules isn't going to do it. But the thing that I believe in so deeply is, is, is those, those anxieties that uh, rules cannot suppress. And that peace that all of my motivational speaking cannot produce can be brought about in your life through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. I want you to know that. But then the question is how? How does that peace grow within us? And I'll tell you, as much as I have sought to give you practices, I am so thankful that in Philippians 4, 6 through 9, the Apostle Paul takes this on himself. These are beautiful verses. If you wrestle with anxiety or if you have any friends or family members who do, mark these verses, highlight them, get to know them. And uh, in them I see Paul giving us three practices that will kind of make us to be the kind of soil in which the seed of God's Spirit can grow and the, and, and the peace can come. They are praying, thinking, well I've called it mentoring, it's doing life together, maybe Ubuntu. Praying, thinking, and doing life together. Now, before I get into these, I want you to think about the fact that the Apostle Paul himself says, I have to learn this. This has to develop in me. It has to grow in me too. And in the chapter before, he had said, I'm not telling you I've got this thing nailed. He doesn't say, I'm going to tell you I am just a naturally peace-filled person. Because I don't think he was. I think he could be a quite volatile person. 
So I think he wrestled with himself. Can you imagine that? And he didn't have an easy life. Do you know where he was writing from when he wrote this? Anybody know? He was sitting in a prison and he'd been there many times. (laughs) And yet still he says, let me tell you what I am learning and pass it on to you. Now the other thing I want to tell you before I give you these three practices uh, is that these are not the only resources that God gives you to find peace. We have so many who struggle with very, very serious anxiety and anxiety attacks. Some of you are finding real help through Christian counseling and therapy. And I'll tell you, that is a part of God's gift to you. Don't throw it away. Some of you, whenever your whole uh, physical body gets out of whack, such as in my own family, we have so many situations where those are, are bipolar and find it hard to get things in balance. Sometimes there are meds that you can use to help bring those things back into balance. Did you know medicine is not uh, uh, something that is counter to what God does? The knowledge that we have in therapy, the medicine that can be used, that's a part of God's creation. Did you know that? Uh, God can heal in, in so many ways. So don't throw those things away. But I'm telling you this, I'm convinced that these three practices Paul gives us in Philippians 4, 6 through 9 are foundational to any of us having the peace of Christ grow within us. So let's think of them. First, praying. In every situation, verse 6, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and then a peace that passes understanding A peace that comes from God will be yours. Now, wouldn't you expect that when you talk about anxiety, that the Bible would call you to pray? Does that surprise anybody here? (laughs) And so so it does. Uh, But I think it's a specific kind of prayer that many times I don't think we have learned to do. Here's what I think Paul is suggesting. What you need to do is identify the situation or the circumstance that is causing your anxiety. He begins it with that phrase, in every situation, which means we need to identify what that situation is so that that situation, that matter, that circumstance can be specifically given to God and presented to God in prayer. Are are you with me here? In my own life, I, I find one of the things I keep going back to is thinking, oh man, I've got to have that thing or be able to accomplish that thing in order to have peace. And I just tell you, I have to keep telling myself and coming back to the Word and saying, until I realize that I'm not going to find peace in anything in this world, I'll probably never find peace. So for a person like me who often is drawn toward thinking there's something in this world I have to achieve or to do, uh, I think Paul is saying this. Pray in this way. I thought somehow, Lord, I've gone back to thinking I could find peace by having that thing or by accomplishing that goal. By having that relationship, you know, that I so much wanted. But now, Lord, I confess that I've turned those things into idols. Um, and only you can bring peace where you give those things, where I abound, as Paul would later say, I want to thank you for them. But if you take them away, I'm going to be at peace as well. I have to pray this over and over again. Isn't it natural to us to keep thinking, oh, we're not going to find our peace in God. We're going to find it in something in this world. Now, um, For others, there are other kinds of things that might cause your anxiety. What is it that's making you anxious? I thought, is it something about the future, as Brian told me, maybe that you fear? Is it someone, as some of our students talk to me, whose expectations of you, you think you'll never fulfill? 
Uh, is it failure in your life where you keep going back and so you feel just ripped apart and wondering if, if you'll ever really be forgiven and, and, and that thing will ever be changed? Is it just something that you're angry about and frustrated? Identify it. Identify it. Write it down. Okay, I was saying, how do I illustrate this to you? Um, and I was able to find uh, a, an artist named Mark Allen. He is a man who struggles, he wrestles himself with all kinds of mental health issues. And so one of the things that he has learned to do is he tries to take the emotions that he's feeling and draw them into cartoon monsters. He says, I try, but when I do that, when I draw them, I'm able to identify what they are and, and become more specific about how they might be dealt with. So I'll show you his anxiety monster. Is it up there already? In the picture that you have there, it, his picture is much smaller than that picture looks on the screen. He, he, he pictures um, anxiety as being dark. Because when anxiety comes, think about it in your own life, doesn't it feel like even if some good things are happening, it darkens them? You almost can't see them. He pictures it as being very small. So that other people can't even recognize them. They can't believe that you're anxious because they can't see that. But it's always there sort of on your shoulder. That's how he pictures it. Always blistering in your ears. You don't have that yet. You haven't dealt with that yet. And do you see the clock? Do you see the clock that he has up there? Because he says he's found out that the things that make him anxious are things often in the future and that they never come. He keeps thinking they're, they're going to come. Now, I don't know if you have the ability to do what Mark Allen does, but I think this sort of thing of stopping for a moment and thinking about what is the situation, the circumstance, so that you can give that to God. It's what the psalmists do all the time. Somehow I think we've got turned church into the kind of thing where we think we've got to come and act like we're perfect. And we bury the things inside. Don't do that. If you're angry, come and then identify it. And then the way that Paul puts it, present it to God. Give it to Him. Tell Him that you'll trust Him with that thing. In every situation. Amen. In every situation. In every circumstance, identify what, what it is and present it to God in prayer. Now, the second practice that he gives is very closely related to it. It's thinking. So he says in verse 8, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right. I'm going to highlight those three. He goes on to talk about what is lovely and pure and excellent. Set your mind on those things and then the peace of God will fill your heart and mind. Now, for those of you who are brand new to church... The beautiful thing about being a follower of Jesus is that he keeps giving us a new opportunity to start and that he promises our lives don't have to stay the way they are now. Right? Isn't this one of the best? Our lives can be changed. And that's what the fruit of the Spirit section is all about. But the beginning point for that throughout the New Testament is almost always the mind. We're to be transformed. And it begins with, you know, Romans 12. It begins with the renewing of our minds. So, so Paul really takes this up. God begins this work in the way that you think. And, and the first three words that I want to highlight, whatever is true, noble, and right. Uh, those three words speak consistently in the New Testament of those things that you and I deeply believe. Uh, those things that God has revealed about himself and about you and about this world. What is it you deeply believe? So, so I think I've written this. When anxiety comes, and then I added, 
or even before it comes, because when the anxiety hits, sometimes our mind races so fast, it's hard to stop, right? So even now in church, when anxiety comes, or or you sense it may be there, take time to stop. And the Bible tells you to consider deeply and carefully what it is that you believe. So we just try it for a moment. What do you believe about God? Do you believe that He is? Do you think He's the maker of heaven and earth? Is He powerful? Do you, do you think He is more powerful and greater than whatever it is that is making you anxious? Do you really believe that? Now, we have to go over to the other side. If you do believe that, I mean, a person can be powerful and will do not a bit of good. But is God good? Does He love you? Does God love you? Do you believe it? Today we've had communion. We've thought about God sending His Son who gave His life out of love for you and your sins. Does God love you? So He's powerful enough to handle the matter. He loves you more than you can love yourself. Now now the other issue is, is He way out there somewhere or is He here with you? I'll I'll tell you the Bible's message is God is here. The Spirit of God dwells within you. So that when you think about yourself, you've been made in His image. He loves you with an everlasting love. He doesn't want to leave you in anxiety and and in fear and in despair. He wants things to be different so that you can then give everything to Him. That's what the Bible is talking about this now. Do Do you see how different this is from the therapies of our world? You know, you pull up the books in our world that tell us how to deal with anxiety and they tell you to think less. They'll tell you, go out to the beach, go out to Malibu or Santa Monica or someplace and sit out on the beach with some of the others and just get everything out of your head. Om. Om. Don't think about it and then you'll have peace. But you know what the problem with that is? The moment you go back to your house or the place of work, the problems are still there. You need to focus on something that is bigger than the problems. Something that can make a difference in the midst of that. And that's the beautiful thing that Paul says. When we become followers of Jesus, we get to know God. He is our Father. He gives us His Spirit. And we need to take time to think more deeply about what we believe so that when the anxiety comes, we can apply what we believe to our hearts and give it to Him. And the peace of God will fill you. Now, so it's praying, it's thinking, and the last point is it's uh, mentoring or doing life together. Look at how Paul puts it in verse 9. So, you watched me, he said, and whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put that into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Here's what I want to say. You cannot deal with anxiety alone. Nor must you. God didn't make you to do that. Uh, Do you remember when I preached about John 14 to 16 just before Jesus went to the cross earlier this year? He said, I'm going to leave, but I'm going to leave for you to prepare a place for you. But while I'm gone, you don't have to be anxious. Because I'm going to give you everything you need. I'm going to die for your sins. So the things in your past, you can give those to me. I I am going to give you my Holy Spirit. So the things bigger than you are not bigger than God. And I'm going to give you one another. You love one another. And in this particular situation, Paul was a part of that community. 
And the reason why I wanted Acts 16 to be read before this is Acts 16 tells the story of when Paul was in that same city. He was in Philippi. And, and when he was there, he'd cast a demon out of a woman. And instead of people rejoicing about it because it cost some people money, uh, they were mad. So they flogged him and they beat Paul and they threw him into prison and he was in the worst part of the prison. So he was frustrated and he said, God, why do you let this happen to me? Embittered. Anybody still with me here? Do you, you remember what they were doing? He and his friends, Silas? They were singing hymns. And the, and the church people would have seen that. Where do you find peace when you're even imprisoned unjustly? Where do you find that? They'd seen that. He'd been in their community. He said, remember that. Paul didn't feign. He didn't pretend that he was perfect. Chapter 3 says, I'm not saying that I've arrived yet. But follow me as I'm following Jesus. And one of the things that is the most be- one of the most beautiful parts of Lake Avenue Church for me is there are a lot of people here who have walked with Jesus for a long, long time. We need to get to know one another better. Whenever the difficulties come, there needs to be somebody you can call up. There should be somebody in a small group with you that you can say, oh, I'm going through this thing. And, and there are some people here in this church that can say, I've been through that 750 times before and God has always been there. It's, it's that kind of a thing that we need. That's why we're having the mentor conference this weekend. I've wondered in this big space that we have, how do we actually connect one another to one another? And in the mentoring conference, and as Jeff said, you can go right through the connect area banner over here and we'll help you to find someone. We're going to try to find a way to connect you either with an individual or with a small group. Because life was not meant, we're not meant to find peace on our own. We're given one to another. We need one another just as the people in Philippi needed Paul. Well, we've got to worship together, but we need those smaller places of coming together. So, pray in such a way that you specifically give the anxiety to Him. Think. Remember, He loves you and that He is greater than that matter that's making you anxious. Walk together with your church family, Ubuntu, and the peace of God will fill your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. I want us to begin now. I've asked uh, my brother, Ken Miedema, to come and sing a song for us about this message. He'll bring the music down. I'll come back up. And at that point, I'm going to be having some of our uh, ministry council members, pastors, and, and prayer counselors to come. There'll be a couple even up in the balcony, my brothers and sisters up there, uh, so that briefly, because we won't be able to do this for long, I'd like you to be able to come out of your pews remembering what that thing is that's making you anxious. Identify it now. You might only be able to say something like this. It's my child. Or my relationship to my mother. Or my work situation. Or finances. Or this failure that I feels like an addiction. And the one praying will also pray very briefly. Asking for you to experience the presence and power of God and the peace of Christ. So be thinking about that. Ken, come and sing for us, and then I'll come back up for the rest of the service.
on a cliff And I'm just about to fall Does anyone know? Does anyone care? Fourteen years old I don't want you to see the scars on my wrist from cutting myself in my bedroom after school. I'm 35 years old. I'm a stay-at-home mama. And I think I'm losing my son to drugs. And I'm feeling like a fool. 55 years old. And I've just lost my job. And I don't think I'm gonna find anything. I'm a sophomore in college, and I'm really not making it. And I don't know where to turn, don't know what song to sing. And I feel torn up inside, and I cannot ride the ride. And this Southern California life is driving me crazy. Preacher, if you knew what's going on inside of me, I wonder if you'd talk about the things you talk about. I think you'd almost be afraid. Because the stuff that I am dealing with it's much harder than I've ever imagined it would be. But you say stop. Fall. Down. On your knees. Into the arms. Of God So I'll pray God I think you hear me God I think you're near me So I name this awfulness That's deep inside me So I name this misery I name this madness and I throw it at your feet and then I begin to think about the wonder and the holiness the glory the unbelievable beauty of you Thinking of peace and thinking of your love. Consider the lilies of the field, they toil not, neither do they spin. Think of the kingdom, loving my enemies. Of Jesus, who gave his life for me, thinking of these things true and beautiful. I just for the moment 
I'm feeling free, free as a bird. Now I'll get out my cell phone and I'll dial your number because I know I can trust you. You'll stand beside me to lead me and guide me to love me and care for me. To pray, to think, to live life too. 